to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Charles. Me. You. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Dude, Light Treason News' Twitter blew up yesterday because Meredith and I asked a very provocative question. Well, I think two provocative questions Mm -hmm. on the last episode. So the first one I wanted to ask you which is, I just finished book five of Harry Potter. Okay. Congratulations to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Dude, is it even a spoiler if I say stuff that happened in Harry Potter at this point? Because the books came out 20 years ago. Uh, yes, but uh, you did yell at Eric the other day for almost spoiling something because you hadn't read them yet. What was it, Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just put a spoiler on this then. Okay. Skip ahead maybe to the bad news section or ahead like 30 seconds. I don't know if it'll take 30 seconds. If you're worried about Harry Potter, spoilers, skip ahead. Yep. So I am listening to the audiobooks and I was going to a gig the other day and I got there very early. So I was standing (laughs) outside waiting for the rest of my team to show up and I got to the end of book five and Sirius dies. Mm-hmm. And that part happened right before I had to go on stage. So I was just standing outside like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that, I remember reading that <clears throat> after the book came out and just like, because at least re- uh, even reading it, I'm not sure how it is listening to it, but reading it, I was just, it happened so fast and you're just like, what, what, what? What? Why? No. It happens really fast, but so I'm reading the audiobooks done by Jim Dale, which I think I've heard from people are the best Harry Potter audiobooks. And the way he reads it, it's like so impactful. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh. I was like, I it's still, still sad. Yeah, still very sad. So the reason I bring that up is because A, I thought it was hilarious that I listened to that right before I had to go be funny on stage. Right. Oh, I never explained that to the rest of my team. Maybe I should have because I think Chloe, Chloe knows because I told her afterwards, but (laughs) to like explain why I might have been low energy. But the second reason I bring that up is one of my Patreon supporters wrote in and wanted to know what all of my co-hosts Hogwarts house, uh, house sortings are. So Meredith is Slytherin. Okay. I'm Slytherin. Mm Mm-hmm. What are you? Um, are we talking about like the official the Potter- official Pottermore quiz? Okay, um, I this might be contentious, but okay. I am a little disappointed with my results <gasps> because so I never really identify with them. Okay, um, officially on Pottermore, I am a Hufflepuff. Okay, what do you feel like? I feel like a Gryffindor with a, Slyth- a Slytherin rising. <gasps> Ooh, okay. Um, so like maybe not the best Gryffindor, but. Like with like tinges of Slytherin, which I can't say right now (laughs) on the first try. Yeah, you feel like a Slytherin would be able to say Slytherin. Yeah. Uh, Um, But yeah, I, somebody on Twitter, I'm sorry, I'm spacing on everybody who wrote in's name because there was so much feedback about this. It was overwhelming. mm -hmm. Actually, I'm going to go to the Twitter account in a second and just shout people out because I don't want to keep not naming people. But someone tweeted and they said that they were surprised I was Slytherin and they thought I would be Ravenclaw because like I bookish thought the same thing. nerds. But I don't think I'm like not bookish nerds, a but bookish like, nerd. Like no. I, I do read a lot, but I I don't know. That's not the reason that I thought you'd be Ravenclaw. Why did you think that? I just thought because um, uh, they're usually like without saying bookish nerd, they're usually extremely intelligent. They usually know everything that's happening in the room. They are like maybe not the first to act but they're the first to think and that makes me think of you okay interesting um i have nothing against hufflepuffs myself i just don't feel like one see i feel like i present as ravenclaw a lot but secretly i'm slytherin you're slytherin with a ravenclaw rising yes maybe that's a more accurate label so thank you to everyone who tweeted uh using the hashtag light trees and pod to tell us your hogwarts houses uh, you can keep doing it if you are hearing this late and you're like, damn it, I didn't get to participate. You can tweet us whenever. Question. Yes. Um, did you take the test on Pottermore to find out what your Patronus is? 
No, not yet. Oh, you should do that. What's yours? A Basset Hound. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Okay. That's the one I like. I'll do that next. Uh, so the second question we asked that got people very emotional, and I love the answers to the point where I definitely want to read some of them, is <laughs> we got into this long discussion because Meredith dropped the bomb on me that she hates E.T. Oh, Okay. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a hot take because that's one of the most beloved films of all time. Right, yeah. So then I asked the question to our audience, what is, like, your hot take? What is a beloved thing that you hate? Oh, ooh. And it doesn't – it started with movies, but it sort of expanded out from there. It can be a, It can be books. It can be food. It can be, like, literally anything that – Almost everyone you know is like, this is the best thing ever. And you're like, I fucking hate that thing. And I feel like if I bring up that I hate that thing in any room, people will turn against me. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of. You can also think on it like for the rest of the episode. And if it occurs to you, because I know it's sort of difficult to think of in the moment. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I, I will save my answer for the end. I'll try to think of something okay. because there I have a couple. There are things that I just don't care about, don't, don't necessarily hate, but I'll try to think That's fine, that too. I hate. Yeah, you don't have to feel really, really strongly. So I have to shout out some of these people because, ooh, these hot takes are scorching. So let's see. Michael. Michael's got to go first. I hated the Dark Knight trilogy <gasps> and come to think of it, the majority of Christopher Nolan's work, Dunkirk being the exception. Michael, that is such a weird take. Uh, you and I are in a fight now, Michael. <laughs> but that is also very brave of you to tweet us because uh, Chris Wait, Nolan even, is... Even The Dark Knight? You don't like The Dark Knight? The the whole trilogy. But like, okay, I can understand people who don't like the first one and people who don't like the third one, but The Dark Knight is like agreed upon that it's like one of the best Batman yeah. films ever. Okay, Michael? <laughs> Michael. Michael, you can't see the look Charles is giving you now. We are fighting. But you are in a fight. Oh. I mm. should say, too, that this is all in good fun, and <laughs> it's a safe space, and I don't want anybody to be flamed for their opinions. So, you know Michael, that was very brave of you. I think that uh, I think Christopher Nolan's worst work is Dunkirk. Hmm. Well, what, that, do you, what do you I, say about that's that? That's what I think Michael? is so weird. I, I like Dunkirk. You know, it was a whitewashed movie, obviously, but... I, I actually never did. You it. wonder why all the soldiers were white? Uh, that's not really what happened at Dunkirk, but I thought it was like a brilliantly executed film. But if you were gonna put Dunkirk at the top of Christopher Nolan's work, that to me is such a weird take. <laughs> that a is weird. weird take. Maybe like the scope of his work. It was definitely the most, I think, budget-wise ambitious film. Like he did. It's a war film, so yeah. the scope of it is vast. But, yeah, I definitely wouldn't put it at the top of his uh, oeuvre. <laughs> so Chelsea had a hot take. <laughs> All they wrote is, I barely got through Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, with the movie I, or the comic book? I'm assuming the movie. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I liked that movie. Oh, no, maybe they did mean the comic because to get through, uh, well, I don't know. That could apply to either. I was sort of, um, when I saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I accidentally saw it on premiere night. I didn't realize oh. I was seeing it with the, like the hardcore Scott Pilgrim nerds. Mm-hmm. So they made the experience very fun mm-hmm. because like they knew the lines and stuff. And it was sort of like seeing Rocky Horror or something like that. And it's one of those comic book movies that's actually like very faithful to the Yes. Source, uh, and right? I never read the comic, but I got that impression that it was very faithful to the source material. But afterwards, I was sort of like, well, that film was fine. Like I, I didn't love it. I but liked I didn't. It. I hate it. It, it was, was okay. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And I really liked Brie Larson's character. Uh, Yeah, Brie Larson's great. Yeah. So, and that song she sings, I still have on my phone. I listen to it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Let's see. Abdul wrote in. Oh, I like said, him. He tweets me a lot yes. after I'm on the show. Uh, They hated Monster's Ball for its simplistic take on race. Billy Bob's character likes chocolate ice cream because it's brown, like Halle Berry's character. Get it? Because racial difference is not about lived experience, just about color. Good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Monsters Ball, I was very like whatever about. Heath Ledger is barely in that movie, but he's incredible. I don't remember it very well. I think I saw it twice, but he... I don't remember it very well. Again, 
a spoiler for Monsters Ball, I guess, <laughs> if you're about to watch this very old movie, but he plays Billy Bob Thornton's son, yeah. and he's sitting across from him, and he goes, did you ever love me? And Billy Bob Thornton says no, and he goes, well, I loved you, and he shoots himself in the head. Huh. But it is a very intense scene. I don't remember that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But Heath Ledger like, is barely in it, but he's incredible. Yeah. Of course. So of course he is. They also write, they hated Runaway Bride and My Best Friend's Wedding, <laughs> in which Julia Roberts plays mentally ill characters who are supposed to be cute and adorable despite exhibiting signs of significant emotional underdevelopment and personality disorder traits. I totally agree uh, with that, especially My Best Friend's Wedding is such a fucked up premise. Mm hmm. Like, it's really disturbing. It if is, that yeah. wasn't a comedy, it would be like a dark horror film. Ooh. Have you ever seen any of those things on YouTube where they turn either a horror movie into like a rom-com or vice versa? That's funny. No, I haven't. I love, oh, when they turn rom-coms into horror movies, it's perfect. We should write like, My Best Friend's Wedding, but a horror film. Like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days as a horror film? Charles, listen to me. Okay. I just came up with a million you dollar did. idea. My Best Friend's Wedding, but a horror film. Perfect. We should do it. Uh, so Nicole writes, Ooh. you know what movie I hated that everyone around me seemed to love? Requiem for a Dream. On the other Ooh. hand, hold on, another hot take. I really liked Mother. Okay. Very hot take. Yeah. Uh, I also liked Mother, but I was also very disturbed by it. And I offer like a million caveats when I recommend it to people. Where oh. I'm like, it is oh. really triggering, yeah. deeply disturbing. Uh, the ending of it is horrific. Horrific. Um, Mother is one of those movies where I can't... I still, to this day, don't know whether or not I like it. Right. Um, but uh, it is very disturbing. I, you know what? I really like the first half of the film. Yeah, I just the execution of it is staggering. And it is... like It's, it's something really easy to say about movies that are done well, but it's just, it's beautifully shot. Oh, like, yeah. You can get you can get me a lot with how things look in the film. The flow of it is really interesting, but I was so anxious the whole time. Oh, yeah. It's like if you want to sit in a theater for an hour and a half and have a panic attack the entire time, yeah. watch Mother. Yeah, but it, it's, it's a panic attack in like a deeply psychological way. Yeah. Where the reason I was freaking out was just there are people invading her home and they won't leave, mm -hmm. which... On it, if I told you that's what made me anxious, you'd be like, that doesn't sound that disturbing. But it's it's disturbing on like a deep psychological level. It's also a movie where like Jennifer Lawrence is sometimes very clearly stating what she wants and doesn't want. And, and no one her, will listen to her. Not even her husband. As like a woman or I, I could see like any sort of marginalized person. That's a big trigger. Where yeah. she is like, I am telling you I'm not comfortable right now and people are not listening to her. Mm -hmm. Which is so upsetting. Always, but especially right now uh. <laughs> in this political climate. So, uh, Nicole, hot takes. Oh, and also, I don't really remember Requiem for a Dream. I saw it so long ago. I do and I don't, but that that I can understand because that movie is, that's another one that I'll like, it, it can be hard to sit through for certain people. Right. Anna says, I hate Gone with the Wind. It's racist and it's way too long. <laughs> Everyone's mom loves it and I don't understand. <laughs> that's fair. That's 100% valid. It is very racist. It's very long. <laughs> Nicole writes, I also hated Little Women. Fucking Amy whining about how embarrassing it was that a dude on the bus saw her lobster she bought for dinner. What the fuck? Mellow the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Also, I don't remember the lobster thing. So Nicole just either. went on this hilarious rant about the lobster. And then mellow the fuck out is so funny. Hmm. Uh, you guys, I love your hot takes so much. Oh, uh, Ashley says, I hate the movie Elf, and I refuse to watch The Sandlot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I like Elf. Why do you refuse to watch The Sandlot? I guess maybe just it's so overhyped, maybe? Maybe. Um, it, I remember really liking that movie as a kid, but I don't really remember it anymore. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I just love the, I refuse. I've never heard of someone dying on that hill, you know? The Sandlot? <laughs> I am not watching The Sandlot. <laughs> So funny. Uh, do, do, do. Let's see. I think that might be it. But yeah, send your, your hot takes. The thing that everybody loves, but you hate. And it doesn't just have to be movies or books. It can be TV shows, foods, anything like that. Hmm. I like, I like, I, I kind of agree with most of those except Michael. <laughs> Michael, you're way off base, dude. <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Great. So what else did I want to talk about? Oh, do you have any new viewing or listening or reading, Rex? I finally saw Crazy Rich Asians. What did you think? Loved it. Yep. Was not prepared to do a lot of crying. Yep. Um, and did. Mm-hmm. Um, it That movie is like stunning. We don't deserve Constance Wu. No, absolutely not. Or Aquafina. No. Um, I I love Constance Wu. I love Fresh Off the Boat. Um, she's amazing in both. Aquafina, I this is, I think this is the f- no, because I saw her in Ocean's Eight first. So I saw her in Ocean's Eight and then I saw her in this. And like she's a good comedic actress. I only knew her as a she's rapper. She's very good. She's so. very like a natural actress. Yeah. Yeah, I one of my all-time favorite Constance Wu moments is in Fresh Off the Boat when she's trying to teach Eddie about consent. Mm-hmm. And he's just like <laughs> laying in bed being a happy kid. And then all of a sudden his mom, Constance Wu, attacks him with a giant teddy bear. Mm-hmm. She's like, you like that? You like that? And then he's like, no, no. And she's like, no means no. You respect <laughs> women in this house. No means no. And then like is gone. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And also good on his mom. Because like she's really worried about him not respecting women. Right. And not understanding consent. And mm-hmm. she's like... And I think the storyline, if I'm remembering it correctly, is the dad sort of taking a gentler approach with him and like sitting him down and teaching him the same lesson, but basically doing it in a friendly way. And she was just like, mm-hmm. And then like as a woman came in and was like, I'm just going to scare the shit out of him. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> uh, she has like, I need to get back. I only watched like the first two or how many seasons are there of that show? I need to get back on it because I've fallen off, but I loved her. Uh I stopped watching two because I got rid of cable. Mm. So, but I loved it so much when I was watching it. The way that she just like it's weird because it's like in your face, but also subtle at the same time. Lets everyone know that she's better than them. Mm -hmm. I just love that Mm -hmm. that general attitude. Yeah, she's like, of course I'm good at this. I'm good at everything. Mm -hmm. Very Slytherin of you. Guys, can you tell I'm obsessed with Harry Potter? Now, I'm going to be the insufferable person who did not give a shit about Harry Potter for so long. And I don't, I like to think I never actively shat on people who liked Harry Potter. I just truly did not care about it. But now that I am into it, I'm mm-hmm. going to be insufferable about it. I um, I want to, I mean, maybe not watch the first one with you, but I want to watch like from three on with you. Oh, cool. Yes, definitely. The first, I mean, they're, they're fun, but it gets really good at three. Cool. We should do that. Also, you're reminding me of this now. No one else needs to know this, but you just get to peer into our lives. Chloe and I want to do Scary Movie Night for Halloween-ish stuff. Deal. So we got to figure out schedules and stuff. Cool. I'm going to text you guys. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Guys, is there anything else? Am I listening to anything else? Uh, did you do? Let's see. I recommended American Vandal. Mm-mm. Oh, you watched it. Yeah, I'm not done with season two yet. I watched season one. Oh, that's right. I didn't get to talk about this with you. Uh, season one, so fucking good. Yeah. See, I heard from so many people that it was like a perfect genre parody, mm-hmm. but no one told me how fucking funny it is. Yeah, it's very funny. I was laughing out loud, which I almost never do, <laughs> just because I watch so many comedies and I read so much comedy that if I see or hear something funny, I'll just sort of be like, huh, that's funny. Yeah. You know, but I won't guffaw mm-hmm. and i was laughing out loud through much of season one. Oh, good the guy who plays the dumb jock mm-hmm. oh my god i really like him a lot he's so good he's like channing tatum yeah he's so good super handsome oh i see i realized that is not my type okay channing tatum type all right like dumb jock type oh n- not Dumb jock type, but kind of but like, like that physicality yeah, of a yeah. dumb jock. Okay, is what I mean. Not sure. that like they're stupid or something like that, mm-hmm. but yeah, that sort of physical type. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Okay, I I I feel like his yes, I very attracted to him because he is like Channing like Channing Tatum light. Yes, like he's big and broad, but he's not super cut, mm-hmm. and I like that. Like like a soft. Muscle. Sure, I agree with that part. Yeah. Not super mm-hmm. cut. Dude, sometimes when I see photos of super cut people, I'm like, I don't understand how people find that attractive. Mm, I, I don't either, but they, they do, and that's what they want to I don't mean like. cut. I mean, like, super cut. You mean, like, those men's... Like, bodybuilder. Yeah, like, those men's yeah. fitness magazines where their <sighs> bicep is bigger than their head. Gross, gross, gross. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I don't know how people do that to themselves. It looks unnatural to me. It, I mean, 
I mean, it, it is unnatural. It definitely is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, it's that time of the show. Speaking of overly muscular people, here is your bad news. What? Okay, let's start with the weird presidential emergency alert we all got the other day. So let me say up top that this was part of a a thing that was passed in 2006 by the Obama administration that would send out emergency alerts for stuff like weather, uh, flash flood alerts. We always get those. Mm Uh, So it's not like this is some brand new Orwellian thing that the Trump administration (laughs) came up with. I saw a lot of people, and I think a lot of people were joking, you know, making purge jokes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I made a purge joke. That was very funny. And I did it very early on. Man, those jokes got old fast, Mm -hmm. though, on Twitter, because everybody had their emergency alert joke. And it was like, ugh. And it went all day. It was a lot, guys. Yeah, it was a lot. But the reason I'm putting it in the bad news section is even though this was something that came into existence during the Obama administration, it certainly takes on a creepy note with the Trump administration. And a lot of like the QAnon conspiracy theorist people are convinced this is like evidence that Trump is implementing martial law or he's getting ready to do that, which, of course, is a conspiracy theory. But it, it was just very creepy and invasive in a way that I was like, I don't want to get fucking alerts from the president. No, this not at all. Scumbag. Yeah. So I'm putting in the bad news section. <coughs> Plus, also, they had to do it in waves, I guess, because there were so many phone numbers. So for like 15, 20 minutes, people in offices were saying like the alerts were going off for a very long time. Uh, yeah. I mean... <clears throat> I wish that there was a way to opt out of them. Like there, I mean, I still have on my phone like the 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 crazy weather ones or like the Amber Alerts. They still pop up on my phone. I should probably turn them off because I always just like look at it and go whatever mm-hmm. and put my phone down. I wish there was a way to opt out of the presidential ones as well. I guess the reason they don't let people opt out is it's for emergencies, so they don't want people to turn them off, like the flash flood warnings. The one that I'm like, I truly don't know how much good it does are the Amber Alerts. Right. Especially if you don't have a car. It's it's primarily for people who are like on the highway in right. rush hour traffic if they see that car go by. Right. But especially in New York City, that's fewer and f- fewer people yeah. every year. Every time that they're like, it's a... It's a red Honda something with the license plate. What? And I was like, I don't even know what that car looks like. Yeah. Also, I'm inside and I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not going outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should be able to opt out. Like, are you an indoor or an outdoor person? Yeah. Indoor opt out. <laughs> <laughs> so also in bad news, the FBI did their little blip of an investigation, non-investigation into Brett Kavanaugh. Can I just say... We should never look to the FBI to be our savior. The people who were like, the FBI investigation's really going to get Brett Kavanaugh and they're not going to confirm him. The people who were investing all of their faith into the FBI and Susan fucking Collins, I'm like, are you kidding me? I knew Susan Collins was going to vote for him and I knew the FBI investigation was going to be a joke. And that's not to pat myself on the back, but it's because I know the history of the FBI and I know, thank you, Charles is patting me on the back. And I know Susan Collins history. So you don't have to do it yourself. I was like, of course they're going to push Brett Kavanaugh through. Yeah. I mean, like the, the investigation lasted like what, I mean, not, not, not that long at all. Like they, Kind of just, I imagine, like, push some papers around on a desk and we're like, he's fine. Yeah. Just I mean, basically, they, they didn't interview several key witnesses. Mm-hmm. They sent their investigation findings to the White House in, like, the middle of the night. The White House said they're fully confident of Kavanaugh's confirmation, which appears to uh, be proof that they like what they saw in the FBI investigation, right? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, he will be confirmed. I mean, yeah, he at this point, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. it's it's sick. And it sucks. And I, you know, I've been very careful because I think Blasey Ford's testimony was really important. I think she inspired millions of people who are survivors themselves and who, you know, got a lot of 
gained a lot of courage seeing what she did because what she did was incredibly courageous. So I, I do think her testimony had great value, but at no point did I think it was going to impact Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation. No, I mean, do we even think uh, that the Bar Association can do anything at this point? No, what the Bar Association did, which was important, I mean, they've been raising the red flag about Brett Kavanaugh for a while, mm-hmm. but what they did is they came out and they were like, his confirmation this hearing needs to be delayed until there is a full investigation he should not be confirmed as a supreme court justice and that was very very harsh words coming from like the top institution for lawyers in the country Mm -hmm. i mean that is the institution like you don't become a lawyer unless you pass the bar exam i just imagine that his like when he gets confirmed and he's sitting on the supreme court that it's going to be the same level of hysteria when he was being uh, uh, not on trial during his hearings. His hearing, yeah. Yeah, just like anytime that anyone has anything to say, he's just going to start crying and screaming. He's at an 11 the whole time. Just like, yeah. uh, just like how What's-His-Face just blatantly falls asleep. Oh, yeah, Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he'll just be at an 11 and drunk yep. the whole time. So unsurprisingly, Trump finally just came out and mocked Blasey Ford's testimony and the Me Too movement at a rally in Mississippi. So he had clearly been dying to do that for a while. You know, he hates women. He really, really uh, hates Blasey Ford. So he, uh, he mocked her when he said, I had one beer, right? I had one beer. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where's the place? I don't remember. Upstairs, downstairs, I don't know, but I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. Making fun of her testimony. Classy move. So I think a lot of us have just come to expect that from him. Most of us have come to expect that level of misogyny from him. What was particularly painful and infuriating about this were the women behind him cheering. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that the reason Trump is president right now is because of white women. And Mm -hmm. I know the white women uh, listening to this show, I'm a white lady, hello. I know you all didn't vote for Trump. I mean, if any of you did, my God, I'm shocked you're listening to this (laughs) podcast. But I think it's really important to remember that. And it's also really important, fellow white ladies, that we check our fellow white women. And that probably includes your relatives, you know, a lot of your relatives. But what I don't, like, I'm not a lady. I can't speak for them. Um, but I don't get the the mentality of the um, boys will be boys. Like, if a guy gropes you, who cares? He's just being a dude. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. It's complicated, and I don't think it's one reason why they do that. A lot of it is internalized misogyny because we grow up in a misogynistic society, right? Mm-hmm. And we're taught, like, I remember at a very young age someone telling me, uh, boys are the gas and girls are the brakes. Gross. Yeah. But that was taught to us as little girls. Mm-hmm. And then if you grow up in a society where no one teaches you differently, and let's remember most Americans never leave their own communities that they were born into. Mm-hmm. So if you're born into an all-white, heteronormative, um, Christian community that teaches you women are less than men and you never leave that community, those ideas are never challenged in your own mind. Right. So it's some of that. It's some of maybe they live in a very um, traditionally uh, like a traditional patriarchy household where Mm -hmm. like the husband dictates everything and everybody's just operating at his mercy. Maybe they have sons and they're worried that their sons will one day be accused of something. Could be that. Attack them with teddy bears. (laughs) Yes. What did (laughs) Constance Wu teach us? Uh, It could be... A lot of just hating liberals, so rejecting anything liberals stand for, hating okay. feminists, thinking fem- thinking feminism is somehow a critique of their existence and they resent it. You know, like, oh, if I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm, I'm bad to the feminists. Or like a traditional feminist. housewife. Yeah. Like, that's, okay, yeah. sure. It can be uh, the anti-choicers who just, mm. that's the one thing they vote on. Sure. It, it's a whole bunch of reasons But what it comes down to is misogyny. And women can be misogynists. Oh, yeah. And and what we saw from this election is that kind of the the biggest misogynists we have are white women. (laughs) And it's like it's it was interesting too watching um, 
like Kellyanne Conway come out as a survivor of sexual assault and who the I think was what other person who came out recently? Connie Chung. No. It was I think it was someone in the administration. Uh, like within the same day or two, it was Kellyanne Conway and someone else who You're was, right. I'm spacing on who it was. I can't remember who it was, but just being like, okay, that should tell you something. And like not to like say anything about them not coming forward before now and they're not naming their their uh abuser. Abuser or anything, but um I kind of lost my train of thought on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But just feeling like I'm not, I'm sure that they're maybe not. No, I mean, even with this, they are co-signing that. Yeah. You're not shaming them, but they are collaborators. If they support an administration that is so dismissive and cruel to victims. Yes. That's what I'm. Yeah. 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 Thank fully. you for simplifying. No, what, no, no. I, that's a really good point. And that's how I feel about, you know, the women who support Trump. What, what breaks my heart is probably, a lot of them are survivors too. And they might not even have the tools to understand that they're victims. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of self-loathing probably going on a lot of, uh, a lot of self blame. And that's really, really fucking sad. However, they are collaborators. Right. (laughs) They, they are the reason this administration exists. So it's important to keep that in mind as well. So yeah, not surprising Trump did this, but to see like a wall of women, white women behind him cheering for him is disgusting. Yeah, I mean, and after after like they still bring up him mocking the disabled reporter, like, and he still when they bring it up to him, he still shoots it down and be like, "No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that." Even though it's on tape, um, and he's just like pushing it forward and making it worse and just mocking everyone who ever tries to fuck with what he's trying to do. Right, and you could tell he was like dying to say this for a long time and finally he got to like mm-hmm. really unleash but yeah this dude hates women thanks for communicating with your father ivanka about women's rights and things like well that. she she still supports brett kavanaugh that's ridiculous yeah i mean we have to remember ivanka is a privileged white lady oh yeah and but even though she might be slightly better than her father on some issues she's still a fucking collaborator mm-hmm. i mean snl that sketch they did of her perfume complicit yes Mm -hmm. so funny so true so i also wanted to talk about this really meticulous exhaustive report that the new york times did uh investigation that the new york times did that basically confirmed what we've known all along that rich people are shady as hell and they game the system what but they go into detail about like the long tax evasion history of the Trump family. Mm-hmm. That's even more bad shit than any of us knew. So uh, Jezebel has a summary of it. The report details how Fred Trump built his real estate empire and then using highly suspect and all around shady methods, transferred his wealth to his sons and daughters, including at least $413 million to Donald alone. Just a, just a small loan from his dad. Right. Whenever Trump's like, I'm self-made. It's like, yeah, you know when your dad gives you $413 million? Mm-hmm. You know when he just does that? Perfect. So Fred Trump began throwing money at Donald when he was a toddler. By age three, Trump was earning $200,000 a year in today's dollars from his father's empire. He was a millionaire by age eight. By the time he was 17, his father had given him part ownership of a 52-unit apartment building. Soon after Trump uh, graduated from college, he was receiving the equivalent of $1 million a year from his father. The money increases with the years to more than $5 million annually in his 40s and 50s. When he was 40 and then 50 years old, he was still getting $5 million a year from daddy. Oh, fancy. Yep. Uh, Self-made, but self-made. But self-made. Fred loved to avoid paying taxes using possibly illegal methods. Uh, Fred Trump was relentlessly and creative, relentless and creative in finding ways to channel his wealth to his children. He made Donald not just his salaried employee, but also his property manager, landlord, banker, and consultant. And that's what the Trumps have always done. They keep it in family. Mm-hmm. So then they can like pay each other's employees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, he gave him loan after loan, many never repaid. He provided money for his car, money for his employees, money to buy stocks, money for his first Manhattan offices, and money to renovate those offices. He gave him three trust funds. He gave him shares in multiple partnerships. He gave him $10,000 Christmas checks. He gave him laundry revenue from his buildings. Much of his giving was structured to sidestep gift and inheritance taxes using methods tax experts described to the Times as improper or possibly illegal. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, the whole report is just bananas, and I highly encourage everyone uh, read it. It's in its entirety, and I'll link to it at our Lipson page, which, once again, is wearelighttreasonnews.lipson.com. But this part, oh my God. At one point, Donald tried to scam his own scammer dad. Like, I, okay, I want to know more about yes. that. So, in 1990, according to previously secret uh, depositions, Trump tried to have his father's will rewritten in a way that Fred Trump, alarmed and angered, feared could result in his empire's being used to bail out his son's failing businesses. Fred Trump took prompt action to thwart his son. He dispatched his daughter to find new estate lawyers. One of them took notes on the instruction she passed on from her father. Quote, protect assets from DJT, Donald's creditors. The lawyers quickly drafted a new codicil stripping Donald Trump of sole control over his father's estate. Fred Trump signed it immediately. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Trump's a terrible businessman. His businesses were failing, and he tried to scam his father to bail himself out. Mm -hmm. Classy. Like a, like a loving son would do after yeah. being given millions and millions and millions of dollars over decades. Right, right. Uh, unsurprisingly, it seems like uh, Trump has deep-seated daddy issues. Trump went to work for his father after graduating from the University of Pennsylvania in 1968. His father made him vice president of dozens of companies. This was also the moment Fred Trump telegraphed what had become painfully obvious to his family and employees. He did not consider his eldest son, Fred Trump Jr., a viable heir apparent. Fred Jr., seven and a half years older than Donald, had also worked for his father after college. It did not go well. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Relatives and former employees said in interviews, Fred Trump openly ridiculed him for being too nice, too soft, too lazy, too fond of drink. He frowned on his interest in flying and music, could not fathom why he cared so little for the family business. Donald, witness to his father's deepening disappointment, fashioned himself Fred Jr.'s opposite. The brash, tough guy with a killer instinct. His reward was to inherit his father's dynastic dreams. Mm. So, yeah, just uh, playing up for daddy mm -hmm. right before trying to fuck him. Which he definitely hasn't uh, passed on to his own children at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it's just going to be an endless cycle <clears throat> of uh, parental abuse. Yeah. Abuse and fraud. And fraud. And it runs in the family. Shout out to the New York Times. Like, again, this is why you know, reporters and newspapers are so important. They've been working on this investigation for years. Mm -hmm. And this is the closest we've ever gotten to seeing like the full the full picture of how the Trump family defrauds the United States. Mm -hmm. It's it's very exhaustive, it's very meticulous, it's very well done. It's highly damning. Will it make a difference? I don't know, but like Probably not. Probably not. But now we have the best understanding we've had so far of just what a racket the whole family is mm -hmm. and how shady they are and how disgusting they are with each other. Like, this is not a loving family. No. <laughs> I imagine that the only... I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious the only uh, child that Donald Trump likes is Ivanka. Yeah, and how much of that is just because he wants to fuck her. Which is gross. Yeah. Um... But you can tell I can you can just tell that he doesn't like either of his sons. And yeah, he like openly, especially Donald uh, Trump Jr. Just yeah. openly hates him. Yeah, M like mocks him in front of people. He staff members of um, or not staff members, but crew members at The Apprentice always talked about how he would just make fun of his son all the time in mm -hmm. like a very cruel way. That's mm. yeah, but you gotta gross. gotta stick with it for the money. You know. Get that money. That's all that counts, right, guys? Get that money. 
Guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all jump up and down. Harley is so excited she can barely contain herself. Here's your good news. Woo! So, first in good news, four people have been charged with violating anti-riot laws in connection with the deadly Unite the Right rally that took place in Charlottesville, Virginia last year and uh, resulted in the death of Heather Heyer, who was killed by a Nazi. All four of these people live in California, and they're part of the Rise Above movement, which is a white supremacist group. Uh, so I'm putting this in the good news section because they've been charged, and they should be charged. Absolutely. Uh, their names are Benjamin Drake Daly, Michael Paul Mazellis, Thomas Walter Gillen, and Cole Evan White, which are the most white supremacy names I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So they were charged with violating the Riot Act, which carries a maximum sentence of five years, as well as conspiracy to violate the Riot Act, which also carries a maximum sentence of five years. Each could face up to 10 years in prison. Yeah, Bye. 10 years, that's it? Yeah, and also the Riot Act. The Riot Act is a shady fucking piece of legislation because it's also routinely used against the left when mm -hmm. they try to gather and protest. Um, if if somebody throws a brick and it goes through a window. Is that the one that makes, like, if you're even at the rally and someone else does something, you're all guilty? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's that specific act, but prosecutors are very broadly applying legislation like that to mm -hmm. people where, yeah, there's been instances of like journalists who were there to cover uh, a, a, a protest and, but they're not officially credentialed. So they're not like mm. from the New York times. Right. They're like from the, you know, whatever, uh, some online news source sure. and they're not considered like traditional press. They can get swept up in that too. So the right act can be a little well, bullshit. Even, I mean, there are even some place, some journalists who work for like, big name news sources and aren't credentialed like people i'm sure that there are people who work for yeah. the huffington post who aren't credentialed yeah. and try to get out there and although i think HuffPost now that you can get credentials but back in the day you couldn't because but not it wasn't everyone. considered yeah, yeah an actual news source <clears throat> so like when i was reporting for the nation i had to go to the nypd and basically make an argument for why they should give me credentials right which is sort of fucked up because a lot of my reporting was very anti-police. And then I had to give them my portfolio and they read it in front of me. <laughs> and then, like, they weren't happy, but they were basically like, mm, okay. And they gave me credentials. <laughs> but it, it's a very fucked up process where it's it's totally arbitrary. It's like whether they believe you're a real reporter or not. Right. Um, so also in good news, and again, the reason I'm putting this in the good news section is solidarity is a beautiful thing. Nine women were arrested after staging an anti-Kavanaugh protest at Joe Manchin's campaign office. And I wanted to include this story because I had mentioned that they were occupying Joe Manchin's office, I believe, on yesterday's episode. So the update to that is nine women were arrested after they staged this day-long sit-in at Joe Manchin's campaign office. Uh, as I said, the protesters were demanding Manchin vote no on Brett Kavanaugh. Throughout the day, the protesters, many of whom said they are survivors of sexual assault, broadcast their sit-in on Facebook and shared their stories, as well as stories submitted to them from supporters from across the country. So, obviously, I'm putting it in the good news section, not because these women were arrested, mm -hmm. but because solidarity is awesome. And it was also so moving that they were reading these stories that were being sent to them by other sexual assault survivors. Also, hey... This is just a word of advice. If you're at, ever at your job and your job demands that you go arrest sexual assault survivors, maybe you quit that job. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, just be like, mm, I, or at least actively protest doing it. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't think they're the bad guys. I'm not going to arrest them. So also in good news, there's been a bunch of Fight for 15 rallies all across the world, not just in the United States. There were some also recently in the UK. And uh, so they're obviously rallying for higher minimum wages, the right to unionize. 
The movement got a boost this week because Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos on Tuesday urged um, Amazon's competitors and other large employers to join um, Amazon in hiking worker pay to $15 an hour. Although, I have to say as a caveat, <laughs> this is not mm. totally the good news that everybody thought it was, obviously, because it's 2018 and nothing is simple and, and purely good. So apparently, employers get this boost in hourly wages, but they lose their monthly bonuses and stock awards in exchange. So I don't know what that comes out to in the end, whether that means workers are ahead or mm -hmm. behind. If anybody knows, let me know. Hashtag light trees and pod. I just don't know like financially where that leaves the workers. Like, is that actually a pay cut then if they lose bonuses? Yeah. And like the stock? I don't know. So I there was that like sort of downer that was reported right after that. But the good news is that um you know, there were hundreds of rallies in the wake of this news because the movement, and I think this is true, feels like they're gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that Amazon and Jeff Bezos thought they had to respond to it. Finally. Yeah. And like, after especially all the critique of how Amazon treats their workers and things that they have in place to hopefully use on their workers right. to make them work faster and right. shit like so that. So that's a, another issue, right? Where, okay, so you're paying them $15 an hour, great, but you took away other you know, bonuses and stuff like that. That's fucked up. But also, yeah, there's other conditions where it's like, can they take a bathroom break when they want to use the bathroom or need to use the bathroom? If they get hurt, can they have time off that's paid? There are other issues separate from living wages. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like we have to celebrate when the victories happen. The fact that Jeff Bezos feels pressure in any way shows how large this movement is growing. Because, like, if Jeff Bezos didn't feel like he had to respond to this, he would not respond to it. No. Why would he? I'm... A little surprised that he did, um, but yay. Roughly 20 workers were arrested at a Detroit McDonald's on Tuesday as part of the Fight for 15 protest to support cooks and cashiers who are on strike to demand the right to unionize. Um, separately, several people were injured when a pickup truck hit a group of protesters near a fast food restaurant in Flint, Michigan. Jesus. And what police said appeared to have been an accident. Hmm. But we've also seen people deliberately, deliberately hit protesters uh, with their cars and uh, claim it was an accident and walk away. So who knows? Um, also in good news. Oh, I just thought this was really brave and I wanted to talk about it. So there's this guy, Jason Kander, who is a former Army intelligence officer who's considered a rising star of the Democratic Party and he was running for mayor of Kansas City. And all of a sudden, he pulled out of the race. Mm -hmm. So people were like, what? Because like, he really was considered a rising star. And he revealed that he's suffering from PTSD and depression from his, uh, his tour in Afghanistan. And he made the announcement in a letter he posted online saying that he was done, quote unquote, trying to outrun depression and PTSD symptoms that he traced back 11 years to a four-month tour in the Middle East. He said, I'm done hiding this from myself and from the world. When I wrote in my book that I was lucky to not have PTSD, I was just trying to convince myself, and I wasn't sharing the full picture. I still have nightmares. I'm depressed. Um, so he basically was like, I need to go get treatment for this, and pulled out of the race, which I thought was so honest and so brave. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, a lot of veterans have come forward, like Paul Rykoff, um, saying like they're so appreciative that he did this because there's a million reasons why this guy, first of all, he could have privately gone to get treatment, mm -hmm. you know, and stayed in the race. He could have not gotten treatment at all and just lived in denial, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. But this is so brave. Like he he decided, you know, nope, I really need to prioritize my mental health. And I think he's a great role model for other veterans who are dealing with that. Um, but what was just that video of him putting a gun together, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's running for mayor of Kansas City. 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, this isn't an endorsement of everything he uh, <laughs> runs or, like, his platform or anything like that. I'm purely talking about mental health and, like, being brave and recognizing that there's there's there shouldn't be a stigma when it comes to PTSD. No. And that's, I mean, he could have just withdrawn from the race and been like, bye. Right. But the fact that he came out and made an announcement of why and the fact that he's seeking treatment is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, rising star in the Democratic Party, but running for mayor of Kansas City. <laughs> right. So All right. important detail. Um, and then there is what do I want to talk about for good news? Do do do. Oh uh, yeah, let's do this story. So, hotel workers walked off the job at seven Marriott hotels in Boston Wednesday morning, launching the first hotel strike in the city's history following months of fruitless contract negotiation. Uh, the job action involves more than 1,500 Marriott in international employees, from housekeepers to bartenders to bellmen at the Aloft Boston Seaport District, Element Boston Seaport District, Ritz-Carlton Boston, Sheridan Boston, W Hotel Boston, Weston Boston Waterfront, and Weston Copley Place. The workers' union, Unite Here Local 26, voted to authorize the strike on September 12th. It represents 5,000 hotel employees in the Boston area, but is focusing on Marriott, the city's, and the world's largest hotel company. So if you're traveling right now, don't stay at a Marriott. Nope. Yep. Not, well, I mean, specifically at Boston, you probably can't right now, but uh, you, not, none of them, none of them anywhere. No, nobody gets to stay there. And it's in, like, find out, like, you just listed a bunch of hotels that I had no idea that were part of Marriott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they yeah. are a huge umbrella corporation for a lot of different hotel chains. Exactly. So um, I knew I, that at least, but I didn't know which ones belonged to them. Right, right. No, that's a good point. Oftentimes you won't realize. Sort of like uh, Hilton's like Hilton that too. Hilton owns a bunch of stuff owns too, Owns a yeah. bunch of different hotels like Doubletree, mm-hmm. like all those hotels that don't have Hilton in the name. And you right. wouldn't know it's a Hilton unless you really know your hotels. Like Eric. Unless you're <laughs> Eric, you don't know this <laughs> shit. <laughs> so I didn't get to this in the pop culture section, so I'm just going to get to it now. Did you see Christian Bale as Dick Cheney? No. Okay. Oh, my God. So a few things. His transformation is fucking incredible. Well, let's back up even more. Christian Bale is a dick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, although, apparently, he has done good-ish things in the past, like when What's-His-Face was being mean to Amy Adams, uh, the director, who was just a fucking asshole to her. I have no idea. Yeah, I forget his name. I'm spacing on it. But basically, he was like a monster. He was such a monster to her on set that Christian Bale, who's also a monster, was like, hey, dude, you need to fucking tone it down. Yeah. Because you're being disrespectful. Uh, but so Christian Bale, probably not a nice person, <laughs> despite that. But if you haven't seen the trailer for Vice, his transformation is fucking unreal. Mm. Like, and he has got Cheney's mannerisms down to a T. It truly is masterful. Having said that, like, listen, I'm sure the movie's gonna be great, entertaining, all that stuff. At least the trailer makes it seem like it kind of portrays Dick Cheney as a badass, and I hate mm. that. I do not like that. Maybe it's just a trailer, the way they cut okay. it, because they're trying to get people to go see it. Okay. And then maybe like the film will just be brutal towards him. But it plays this like, really cool music, and like the graphics are really cool, and it kind of makes Cheney look like a badass. And I'm like, oh. this dude should be in jail. Yeah, I can't. Like, he's not a badass. No. He's a war criminal. He's power-hungry. He he's is, a like, monster. A monster. He's probably a deeply unhappy man. He's not a badass. I'm no. like, let's not portray war criminals as badasses. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's kind of a low bar, but, you know, it's how I feel. Uh, I was unfamiliar until seeing the, the screen right now. I was unfamiliar that this was even a movie. So is it just following him or is it following the administration? So it's by Adam McKay, who, friend of the show. I love Adam. I think he's a great writer. I think he has made incredible films. That's kind of why I'm optimistic, where I'm like, I know Adam doesn't think Dick Cheney's a badass. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as, like, what I know of Adam and what he believes, Adam probably believes that Cheney should be in jail. Right. So that's why I'm kind of optimistic, where I'm like, maybe they just cut the trailer to look very entertaining and cool so people will just, you know, to get asses in seats. Right. 
Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, directors usually don't cut the trailer. The studio does. So they're going to pick the most interesting parts right. to right. get people there. So that's sort of why I'm, I'm, I'll see it, just because also Christian Bale's performance looks bananas in it. Mm. Uh, Christian Bale is a dick. Cheney. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm, thank you. It's a dick playing dick. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I, uh... I think Chris, it's it's one of those things where like you're so talented. Why do you have to be such an asshole? But the the stories and the videos and the recordings that have come out of him just being screaming monsters at, at crew members, different, yeah, different movies is insane. Also, but then being so dedicated to your craft, I get it, but not to that I level. I don't get it though because if, not to that level. If there was a one to one ratio of you need to be a dick in order no. to give really amazing performances, every amazing actor would be a dick to crew members and that's not the case so it's like christian bale is choosing to be an asshole i think that he because um because he takes his craft so seriously and because he's so talented and can do stuff like this he expects everyone else to take it as seriously as he's taking it which makes him lash out which is unacceptable that's why he lost it right like somebody walked through a shot or something i think that they were setting up like i'm not even sure that they were filming i think that they were setting up like doing a rehearsal shot and someone walked in the background like a sound guy or something and he lost it yeah but But, chill dude yeah calm down um like not like take your work seriously be amazing not everyone has to be as like at your level you have to be at your level and that's great you know what I also think about? Like, clearly, Christian Bale's a dick or whatever. Right. But I just think about the level of attention that's paid to someone like Christian Bale on a day-to-day basis. And I, I'm always like, man, if people had cameras on me on my worst day, mm-hmm. you know, like, how terrible I would look. And that's not really the full picture of who I am as a person. Right. I thought about that where I was kind of like, he lost it, but does he regularly lose it like that? I genuinely don't know because I, you know, I'm not a crew member. I don't see him every day. Right. I've heard other stories about him that lead me to believe he probably is a dick all the time. Sure. But I think about that whenever they're like so-and-so celebrity lost it. It's like, yeah, if you follow somebody around with a camera long enough, you're going to catch them doing something Mm -hmm. shitty. Yeah. But is that really like a fair depiction of who they are as a person? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Christian Bale to have yelled at other crew members. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I've heard other stories. If it was just one story, I would be like, all right, give him the benefit of the doubt. He lost it for the day. Like yeah. he just, right. He yeah. just had a meltdown. But yeah, I've heard enough stuff about him where I'm like, mm, he's probably a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but also how great to have a dick play dick. Yeah. Dicks on dicks. Dicks on dicks on dicks on dicks. Uh, that should be the tagline of the show. <laughs> dicks on dicks on dicks on dicks. He's, he's in a, a couple of my favorite. I was I was always surprised when they cast him as Batman, but he is as um in American Psycho is ridiculous. I love. Oh that my movie. god, so I good. love that movie so much. Yeah, and uh, directed by a woman, so it's extra awesome. Mm-hmm. So guys, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. We love hearing from you. We want to hear your other hot takes. What do you hate that everybody loves around you? Ooh, I kind of have an oh, answer Oh, yeah. Now. What was yours? I Okay. It's not something that I necessarily hate that everyone loves. Mm-hmm. It's something that I am 100% completely uninterested in and do not care whatsoever. Uh, any of the Star Wars. Oh, somebody else said that. I don't Wait, care. did I not read that person? Oh, hold on. Wait, because somebody else agrees with you. Okay. God, we got so many responses to this. I'm losing track. I do not care about a single Star War. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry I don't have your real name, but um, fight me Fowler on Twitter. Two words. Star Wars. And yeah. that like kicked off the day of everybody venting. So I'm <laughs> sorry I forgot to shout you out. But I just retweeted that and said, it begins. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's not like I hate it. Sure. I just do. I 100% do not care. I do not care. And anytime that there's a new one and people are freaking out about the trailer or whatever, I'm like, shut up. Just every, shut the fuck up. See, I didn't care about Star Wars until the new films because okay. I totally missed that during my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you need to get in on the ground level with Star Wars, like raised with the films in order yeah. to be truly obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. But the new films, I think, are great. So now I'm, like, really into the franchise. Mm-hmm. But I also get, I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. I get it. At this, I've, it's, come, it's come this far where I haven't seen any of them from the beginning, where at this point I'm just 
refusing to watch any of them. You, what I will say to you, if you ever choose to watch them, you don't have to watch the old films to watch the new ones. Okay. I guarantee you, you know enough about the mythology. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. The storyline. Just from it being in like our culture and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, and seeing it parodied so many times, you know enough to enjoy the new films. Okay. The new films are way more inclusive, way better actors, way better CGI. Um. And and Carrie's still in them, so it's great. It's a hard no for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was my guys. I tried to sell it to Charles, and he rejected it. That's fine. Um, I was gonna say something else about this. I forget. Send us your hot takes. I'm loving this so much. And remember, <laughs> safe space. Don't fight with each other. It's all in good fun. Everything's subjective. Not everyone has to love what you love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm talking to myself. Okay. Uh, <laughs> go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye.